Welcome to News Fix, where we spend hours going through the news so you don't have to. Is Boris really beyond saving? Is the Northern Ireland Protocol really beyond fixing? And is Russia really beyond the point of no return when it comes to Ukraine? It's Thursday, February 3rd. Here's your News Fix. There hasn't exactly been a huge number of Conservative MPs submitting letters of no confidence in Prime Minister Johnson. More a slow and steady stream. According to The Guardian, seven Tories have publicly acknowledged they submitted letters. The Times puts that number at 11 and reported at least a further five are considering doing the same. Remember that 54 letters are required in order to trigger a confidence vote. The article in The Times, which we've linked to in the newsletter, makes for an incredibly helpful read on all of this. In particular, they included a graph looking at how a vote of confidence is triggered. For example, there are 360 Tory MPs, 15% of them, i.e. 54, need to write to the 1922 committee to trigger a confidence vote. These votes are submitted in secret, with the letters sent to Sir Graham Brady, who keeps the tally secret until the threshold is reached. If 54 letters are received and the threshold is reached, a vote of confidence will be held quickly. In that situation, Prime Minister Johnson would be ousted if more than 50% of Tory MPs, 180, voted against him and a leadership contest would be triggered. In that scenario, and I know and I'm very aware that a lot of this is very speculative, Prime Minister Johnson would not be allowed to stand in any subsequent leadership battle. Again, in terms of the media reports, it doesn't seem like they're anywhere near that, those 54 letters at this point, but I think it's very helpful to understand the procedure that would be in place should it be reached. Meanwhile, still on this story, in a fascinating piece for the New Statesman, Andrew Marr spells out why he believes Johnson's time is up, arguing the Prime Minister is, quote, beyond saving. Marr suggests it might be too early in Rishi Sunak's career to put his hat in the ring as Johnson's potential successor, but instead pointed to Jeremy Hunt, who has been discreet in gathering support in the background. Obviously, it's a story we're going to continue to keep an eye on, and we'll let you know if there's any significant updates. Now on today's agenda, a by-election is scheduled to take place today for the seat of Sir David Amos, the Conservative MP who was murdered in October. The constituency South End West has been held by Conservatives since its creation in 1950. It's worth noting that as The Independent reported, the Conservatives are putting a barrister called Anna Firth forward for the seat. Both the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats declined to put candidates forward. Remember that following the murder of Labour MP Joe Cox in 2016, opposition parties declined to put their candidates forward in that by-election as well. Now a story we're keeping a close eye on. In Northern Ireland, the DUP's Edwin Poots ordered post-Brexit checks on goods arriving in from Britain to be stopped from midnight. Those critical of the move have described it as a breach of international law. And this, really for anyone wondering, is all about the Democratic Unionist Party's ongoing objections to the Northern Ireland Protocol. Okay. People find this overwhelming, but let's rewind. From the moment the Brexit negotiations began, it was very clear that Northern Ireland would be the most difficult aspect to figure out. And that's because it shares the UK's only land border with the European Union, and thus a border with the single market. Another issue is that putting a border on the island of Ireland between the North and the Republic was not an option, with many saying it would have undermined the peace brought in under the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. President Biden even weighed in on this, saying a trade deal with the UK was contingent on there being no border on the island of Ireland. Okay, you're probably wondering, how then could the EU ensure goods were checked before they arrived into the single market via the Republic of Ireland? In the end, the UK government agreed with the European Union on a Northern Ireland protocol. This meant that goods going from Britain to Northern Ireland would be checked before arrival. 
Unionists in Northern Ireland hate this arrangement, saying it effectively creates a border down the Irish Sea, separating them from the rest of the UK. For anyone wondering how the British government have reacted to all this, so far they seem to be indicating they will not interfere. According to BBC News, they have said the issue is a quote, matter for the Northern Ireland executive. The Irish minister, Simon Coveney, responded to this, tweeting, quote, put simply, the British government has an obligation to comply with international law. Surely that's not too much to ask, as we all work to find an agreement on flexible and pragmatic implementation of the Northern Ireland Protocol. In terms of what's next on this, the UK's Brexit negotiator, Liz Truss, has a meeting scheduled for today with the European Commission's vice president. And it's a story we will most definitely continue to keep an eye on. Now in our pin drop section, we're looking at what the latest headlines are from Ukraine. For weeks now, as you will know, fears have been mounting that Russia is preparing some sort of an invasion of Ukraine. In terms of a rundown of the latest headlines, the US announced 2,000 extra troops would be deployed to Poland and Germany, two NATO countries. Another 1,000 troops based in Germany will be sent to Romania. Russia continues to deny plans to invade. And also, BBC News had a very helpful map showing newly arrived Russian troops in Belarus, near the border with Ukraine and not too far north of its capital, Kiev. Lastly, on the rundown of bullet points, Prime Minister Johnson told President Putin that an invasion of Ukraine would be a, quote, tragic miscalculation in a phone call that the pair held on Wednesday. In terms of the most helpful read on all of this today, you might need a subscription for it, but the Financial Times have put together a fascinating read. We've linked to it in the newsletter and it's called Russia's revamped military learns from failures of the past. In the newsletter, we have also included an eye-opening chart from that Financial Times piece comparing the size of Russia and Ukraine's militaries. That's today's fix. Have a great day.